Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. What we're doing today is we're, we're actually continuing a series that I started a number of weeks ago where we're just we're taking a, a slow journey through the book of James and just really sort of pulling it apart and just sort of seeing what James has got to say to us because it's quite a quite an impacting little book. It's quite short. Like you could sit down and read it in the sitting quite easily. But in it are just so many great little tidbits of wisdom that James wants to offer. And they're not even necessarily overly related. There's just little points that he makes to sort of say, hey, make sure we get this right. Hey, make sure we do this right. Make sure we do this. And so it's just a great book to sort of grab a hold of, I guess, some principles of, of scripture and principles of this way of life that we're called to in little bite-sized pieces. So we've sort of, we've done, we've done a couple of weeks pretty much introducing the book of James. We've worked our way through the first chapter. And in that, James starts to sort of introduce a few things. But now in chapter two that we're going to go into today, he starts to really get into some nitty-gritty of what he wants to share. And so, you know, it's quite a, quite a select, I guess, topic for today. And... What I want to do is just, I guess, try to take it from a fresh perspective. It's something that we're, we're all aware of and we've all heard of, heard of before. But I want to make sure that we actually take it from a fresh angle. But before we do that, I've just got to my notes here. I've got to do this before we really got into it. Is that, you know, tomorrow being Anzac Day, and if you haven't seen the board out the front, please go have a look. We've, we've done a little artwork out there and Marie's put some, some poppies out there to sort of highlight um, that you know, as a church, you know, I believe that church should give honour where honour is due. And you know, to our service people, both past and present, you know, it is something that I feel that we need to do, is give honour to these people that you know, sacrifice and lay their, their own lives and their own needs aside for the sake of our nation, for its people, its freedoms. And um, there is just something special about Anzac Day. Um, I know for me, you know, both my, 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 both my grandfathers and my great-grandfathers all served. And, you know, thank God they all returned home safe and, and um, you know, were able to continue living in that freedom that, that they fought for and served for. Um, so before we keep moving, I just want to pray. Lord God, we do thank you for, the, for this, this time that we remember, Lord God, each year on Anzac Day. Remember those, Lord God, that have served. Lord God, in our, in our past and continue to serve in the future, Lord God. And I do particularly, Lord God, I want to lift up those, Lord God, that are currently serving, Lord God. It must be, must be quite tense times, Lord God, with the conflicts that's going on around our world and just the, the, the nature of, of, of the world around us, Lord God, that anything could blow up at, at any time, Lord God, and, and call these people into action, Lord God. So we lift them up before you, Lord God, and we do just ask for your peace to be upon our service people, Lord God. But particularly, Lord God, I lift up, Lord God, those that, that are believers, Lord God. We lift up the, the chaplains and the, and the ministers that, that, that work in the armed forces, Lord God. And we just ask, Lord God, that you just continue to use them to bring your word of truth and comfort and hope, Lord God, into, into that, that realm of our defence forces. We thank you for all that they do. We thank you that they do, Lord God, that they're willing to, to lay their lives aside, Lord God, for the sake of our nation and its people and its freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
So as I was saying, James is tackling an issue in this section. We're going to be reading James chapter 2, verses 1 to 1 to 13, I think it is. So if you do have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to have it open there, ready to go. And he, as I said, he's tackling something that we're all well aware of. But we're almost oversaturated with it, really. And depending on your your background and your experiences, it might be something that you've, you know, you're aware of and you've probably seen. Others might have been absolutely smashed by it in different ways and seen it really take effect in people's lives. But as I said, today I really want to make sure that we don't just go, oh yeah, I know what that is and tune out. I want you to sort of take it on and just go, okay, well let's just see what the Holy Spirit can show me in you and afresh on this topic. And it's the topic of discrimination. And I know that the moment I said that, all of you would have gone, yeah, I know what that is. I hear politicians speak about it, I hear news speak about it, I've seen it myself maybe. And maybe it's even something you've had to work through yourself, changing attitudes and changing ideas about people around you. And today, you know, I'm not wanting to, to make this a, a, a social or a political argument or, or, or explanation. I want to actually sort of say, okay, what does Scripture actually say? What, what does the Bible actually tell us in how to interact with people around us? What should our attitudes be? What, what should we do with these prejudices and these presumptions that we make? So the, you know, the, the dictionary d- d- uh, definition says discrimination is the act of making unjustified distinctions between people based on groups, classes or other categories to which they belong or are perceived to belong to. And it's something that, as I said, you know, I'm sure all of us would have a story or, or know of, of situations of, of, of where discrimination has caused heartache in our world. You know, as I said, I've, I've been using a a guide to, to, to take us through James. And this was a, a section I wanted to read out of it. It says, The closing years of the 20th century saw major changes sweep across our world. In the former Soviet Union, Jews who had been discriminated against for scores of years were freed and in growing number allowed to immigrate back to Israel. The Berlin Wall crumbled. Eastern Europe taught us that no one could be suppressed or discriminated against indefinitely. In South Africa, changes continued to be, ma- to, to be made and changes in the wind. And America must remember that they are only one generation removed from racial segregation themselves. Yet, in the Middle East, discrimination is at an all-time high. In the United States, there is still so much discrimination between black and white, Jew and Gentile. And ironically, one of the largest and growing targeted groups of discrimination today is conservative, conservative Christianity. Anti-Christian bigotry is accelerating at a rapid rate. And the fact is that's something that if you've got your finger on the pulse of even our own, own nation, it is growing. To stand to a conservative, biblical concept of, of life and, and, and moral is getting further and further from what the, our society expects. And there is discrimination going against Christians now. Now, there was a time where we were, I guess, generally accepted and generally considered very much an active part of society and a key part of society and a key part of our heritage and our, our background. That's, that's shifting. That's changing now. And as that little blurb said, you know, yes, you know, there's been progress in nations around us. 
you know, both in our own nation. The fact is, you know, we can point fingers at Americans and say, oh, you guys did this and did that. We had our own laws in place that were, that were discriminatory and, 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 and bigoted towards especially the Aboriginal people for a long time. But the fact is, it's still there, isn't it? No matter how much our society and the world around us sort of says, no, we've got to get rid of this, we've got to get rid of this, it's there. And, you know, some people would like to think, you know, that this passage is almost irrelevant now because, oh, no, no, discrimination is not a thing. But it is. We, we, we can't be that naive. It's something that's still going on. It's, it's something that we need to be aware of, that even in our own lives, there might be changes and shifts that we need to make in ways that we may not even realise. And as I said, you know, I'm not here to, to white shame or to, to dig up the past or anything like that. Every people group on earth are guilty of this. It's not just a Western thing. It's not just a white thing. You know, the fact is, you know, we've got discrimination and absolute horrendous things happening in, in, in West Papua, whereas the Indonesians discriminated against them. As the little blurb said, over in the Middle East, there's discrimination going between Muslim and Christian and Muslim and, and Jew and, and just things that are just horrendous. Over in Africa, it still happens between different tribes. Same colour skin, but for whatever reason, they go, no, nope, we don't like you. It's not, a, it's not a white Western society problem. It's a humanity problem. So what does Scripture say? What's the perspective that we need to take from, from what we can read here in James? So to sort of set the, the image, I guess, of what I want to highlight, it's just a bit of a word picture. And the title is, you know, Discrimination is a Lie on Stilts. So picture a circus. And one of those classic circus acts where you've got the clown that walks in and they're 10 feet tall. And they're walking around, they're doing their thing. And the clowns are messing around, doing their thing. And finally, part of the final act is this clown gets knocked over and you realise he's not 10 feet tall, he's on stilts. Discrimination is exactly that. It's a lie on two stilts. It's the stilts of prejudice and presumption. So let us read verses 1 to 7 out of James. Chapter 2. So I'm reading from New Living Translation, NIV covers it really well as well. And some of my notes actually are quoted from NIV. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favour some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewellery, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Or doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonour the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? I'll read the next few verses in a second. Yeah, you know, but James comes out swinging in that, that section, doesn't he? It, it, it lets rip, you know, that first verse. Yeah, you know, my dear brothers and sisters, 
How can you claim to have faith if you favour some people over others? And so he's not, not just attacking their, their moral. He's not just attacking their, their, their ethos or their ethic. He's just saying, how can you claim to have faith in Jesus Christ? He brings it back to a hard issue. He still says, no, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to say, yep, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour, then you need to bring some correction. If you're favouring people one over the other, because that's not what Jesus does. That's not the heart of Jesus. That's not what it means or looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Don't show favouritism. As I said, this is a new topic. It's something that James is sort of just coming out of the, the gates and sort of saying, no, this is something we need to correct. And he uses a very simple example in verses 2 and 3. of you know, Well, in your gathering, rich fellow walks in, a poor person walks in, how are you going to treat them? And the fact is, you know, this is an example that is still valid in our day and age. We might think, oh, you know, that doesn't happen, things like that don't happen. <laughs> don't tell me that. I work in a school where day in, day out, I see kids that are of lower socioeconomic background belittled and pushed aside by their peers and even by staff at times. Sometimes unknowingly. Sometimes it's just that background prejudice of wherever that stuff comes from that makes people make poor decisions when they're treating other people around them, where they prefer people over them to do things or they trust people to do things over other people for no reason other than an idea. But he calls out this type of behaviour. Verse 4, calls it evil. Doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? That's prejudice. Yeah? To have a prejudiced thought is to, is to call judgment upon someone purely because of who they are, not because of what they've done. And so what he does, he moves on and he sort of says, oh, come on, yeah, we can't be doing this. And he highlights something that he highlighted something in his introduction in, in verse 9 in, cha- in chapter 1. And it's actually a parallel to what Jesus taught. So if you bring your mind back to the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, in verse 3 it says, you know, Jesus' teachings, he says, God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So again, we see some real close parallels between what James is using as his as his, back, as his uh, foundation for his thoughts and his, his wisdom that he's teaching here, direct from the words of Jesus Christ. And he flips it and he sort of says, yeah, but don't you realise, you know, Jesus, you know, our Lord and Saviour, he, he spent his time, he spent his, most of his energy ministering and reaching out to the poor and the needy, to the sick and the oppressed. So why on earth are you guys sucking up to the rich? And the fact is, you know, even in the church I've seen where churches have compromised. They've compromised their, their message. They've compromised their moral to try and fit in with the society at times 
trying to, to still connect and, and, and make sure we still tick the right boxes with the, with the powers that be around us, where has it gotten in the church? It hasn't got us anywhere. On an individual level, yeah? people are trying to better themselves and I like climb that ladder, if, if, you, if you want to call it that. Yeah? Some people, I just go, well, you know, if that's where God's called you to, he, he, ma- he makes people thrive in that. But I've seen other people try to, to, to weasel their way and work their way up into things when it's not necessarily in God and it just gives them more trouble than good. And so James is making a similar accusation here. He's just saying, no, come on. Actually have a look at what's going on around you. Have a look at where your choices and your behaviour is taking you. And the fact is there's no justification for such attitude. You know, the motivation could be a number of things. You know, the, the reason why people have a prejudice towards other people, whether it be you know, that selfishness and that self-promotion, whether it be pride, whether it be jealousy or envy. But no matter the motive, it's always a negative. There's never a positive for having a prejudice towards someone. None of these are of God. And there's nothing in Scripture that teaches prejudice. You know, some people sort of said, oh, you know, don't, don't bother with the Bible or the, the Christian faith because they, you know, they believe in slavery or they, they, they back this up or they believe in oppression of women or something like that. That's not in Scripture. If you grab a hold of anything like that, please come and see me because I'm telling you, it's not in there. All that is is misquote and miscontexted teaching. And James does exactly the same thing. He says, no, bring it back to the core of things here. Bring it back to the, the real foundation of who we are and who we're called to be in Jesus Christ, to love our neighbour as ourself. So this vile sin of discrimination stands on the false leg of prejudice. But the other leg is presumption. And it's not necessarily just presumption towards people. It's presumption towards this idea of what discrimination actually is. So James sort of highlights three things. He takes the presumption that discrimination is not sin. Let's keep reading from 9 to 13. We'll see these highlighted here. Uh, verse 8 onwards, sorry. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbour as yourself. So that's what James brings it back to. But if you favour some people over others, you are committing a sin. There you go, that's presumption number one, gone. You know, it is a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Verse 10, for the person who keeps all of the law except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. Come to verse 13 in a second. So that first presumption is that, yeah, discrimination is not a sin. But that the next presumption that he highlights there is that some people think, oh, discrimination is not significant. In our own nation, in our own community, I've seen people say that. Oh, it's not really a thing anymore. 
No, it is. It's still there. And it is significant. It hurts people. It really does attack the core of who they are. And so 10 and 11, that's what he's sort of highlighting. He's sort of saying, oh, you know, you sort of think, oh, well, it's only prejudice. It's only discrimination. But the fact is when we break one law, it's the same as breaking any law in the eyes of God. Sin, sin. And the fact is, I'll be the first. <laughs> We've all broken God's law. We all fall short of his glorious standard, don't we? So this is just one of them. So don't write it off as just, oh, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just a joke. Or it's just, that's how people treat people. No, it's sin. It's not the way we're supposed to be treating each other. The third presumption is that discrimination is not serious. And that's where he sort of finishes off, saying in verse 13, So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. That's verse 12, sorry, verse 13. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So he highlights this, this idea of you know, making sure that we treat each other fairly, that we treat each other the way that Christ would treat us. How do we truly love our neighbour as ourselves? And that is to knock the stilts out on this idea of discrimination and prejudice. To call it what it is, to call it that it is sin, that's brokenness, it's horrible. And the fact is we can all get stuck in it. I know for myself, ended up, we had some uh, people over from Narumi yesterday. And uh, she's an old friend from school back up in Coffs Harbour. We were talking about a few different old school friends and we spoke about some floods that we had up in Coffs when we were in our teens up there. It reminded me of a story where I was, it, I guess God used it to highlight prejudice that I held towards a fellow classmate. So what was happening was I was at this youth group fundraiser. We were doing a, um, it was like one of those 24-hour basketball games. So we got all sponsored and things like that to, to, to have this basketball game just rolling and going for 20 hours or 24 hours or something like that. And so we'd gotten to the hall, we started the basketball game, we'd been there for, I don't know, about eight or ten hours. Um, so we're taking turns, playing the game and you know, having rest and breaks and things like that. And the whole time it was just bucketing rain. But because we're in the hall, we sort of just went, oh yeah, it's rain, it's coughs, it's what happens. But what we didn't realise that it was, it was absolutely torrential rain right over the region and coughs was starting to flood. And so about ten hours into this event, we started having parents rock up, so saying, hey, I'm grabbing my kid because place is starting to flood. We're like, oh, really? Um, and so kids started to get picked up and I was trying to contact mum and dad, couldn't get through and things like that. Eventually, I think I got through. I couldn't remember the story fully. But push comes to shove, I couldn't get myself home. People tried to, we actually drove part of the way in. Someone tried to give me a lift back. They had a, a four-wheel drive that could get through the waters a little bit more and that sort of thing. But they got to a point that said, no, we can't keep going. So we had to turn around. And so I was one of the last people there that sort of needed helping and and the leaders like not sure what to do and they said oh can you just stay with someone and the only person that put their hand up to um to sort of say hey no they can come stay with us was this particular girl in my year and her name was Sylvia and she was one of these girls that was pushed to the side a lot 
and sadly, I think I was one of the ones that probably, maybe not viciously or, or whatever, but I probably did as well. She was the, the, the down and out. She was the, the, the odd girl in the year. She was the one that you know, maybe didn't dress as nice as the rest of us, maybe smelled a bit funny at times, maybe you know, looked dirty at times. Who knows what the reasons were? But she was the only one that said, oh, we've got a spare room, you can come stay with us and we live just up around the corner, we're, we're out of the floodwaters. And I think at the time I would have been just going, oh, is there anyone else? Is there any other sort of options I can have here? And I think God used that as just going, no, that's your only option. And so I went around and I was, I was the one that felt out of place all of a sudden because I was rocking up to this new home, to parents I'd never met, to a family I'd never really interacted with. And I was the one that was feeling out of sorts. But I got there and they loved on me. They fed me. They, they made sure I had a, a bed. Ended up having great conversation and got to know this family that were just, as I learnt, amazing, beautiful people. And even as a young teen, it's, it's one of those events that just, it, it shaped me because it really just went, I, I can't make judgments on people. I can't just assume that you know, they're in a horrible situation or they're horrible people or whatever. Like, I made presumptions and I had prejudice towards Sylvia. But being in this opportunity to get to know her properly and to get to know her family and just sort of see that they, you know, they did life differently to us and they might have been poorer than us. But I tell you what, I learned a big, big lesson that night. And as I said, it's one of those ones that have just sort of sat with me and it shaped me, shaped me to realise, no, it's not my place to call judgment on people. It's not my place to, to, to say, well, someone's better than others. You know? My job is just to love. My job is to just be willing to accept and show mercy. And that's exactly what James is getting at here. He's sort of saying, no, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter what... Society says you should do or the way you should look. No, let's actually treat each other the way God intended. That we are one each other's neighbour. And there's nothing that defines what that is or isn't. It's just fellow human being. So let's treat each other with that love, with that respect and that mercy. You know, I've taught on mercy before, that the mercy is that you know, when, we, when someone has done something wrong, but we choose not to call punishment. We choose to forgive. We choose to whatever. And the fact is that's exactly what Jesus has given to us. So we are called to do exactly that to others around us. So I guess my challenge is, you, know, you might go, yep, cool. I hear what you're saying, Chris, but I don't, I don't have any of that. I think we all do in different ways. And we've all had to learn. We've all had to grow. And I think we can continue to grow in that. I think there'll be people in our society that we sort of go, oh, I'm not sure how to respond or react around them. Maybe because of their lifestyle choices, their sexual orientation, their idea around gender. You know, let's, let's call it what it is. There's a number of issues in our world at the moment that are confronting for believers. It's not our place to judge. Leave that up to God. Our job is to love.
Yeah? Amen. How about I pray? Lord God, I thank you for today. And I thank you for just the, the openness and the, 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 the clarity, Lord God, that James shares in his, in his writings. Lord God, let us just be a people, Lord God, that just choose mercy first, that choose love first. That whenever we do get negative thoughts or, or, or negative perceptions upon people or upon classes in our society, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that we can just counteract that, Lord God, with love. We counteract that, Lord God, with a, a heart, Lord God, that's after you, that wants to desire to be more like you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the teaching and the correction it gives us. We just lay ourselves before you. In Jesus' name, amen.